Talmor, Sheshin Mugachi. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I study the secrets of the divine plagues and uncover the blasphemous truth that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, wherever podcasts are available. Nintendo! Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat. I'm Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. And coming up on Nintendo Voice Chat, we have a very special show for you, talking to Nintendo independent developers on some really cool projects that are coming out this year, followed by a really cool interview with Damon Baker of the Portfolio Management Third-Party Relations Team. So stick around for that. But first, a word from our sponsor. Here we go. Thanks, Jose. Want a Nintendo Switch? Of course you do. That's right, Nintendo is teaming up with IGN to give you a chance to win a Nintendo Switch. Just check out go.ign.com backslash NVC giveaway for more info. And that's not all. In celebration of Link making his heroic return, later in the show, your NVC crew will switch back to me for a special treat as we head to the street to find out just how much the public knows about this legendary franchise. See you in a bit. For now, switching back to you guys. Thanks a lot, Naomi, and uh, look forward to that trivia later. Uh, but here to talk to us about um, some very special projects in the works, we have Benedict from Team Tumbleseed, yeah. and we have uh, Bethany from Team 17. Um, and this is an exciting moment because you guys have some really cool Switch projects in the works, and we also have Pear Schneider. From Team IGN. From Team IGN. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, a lot of teams in the room. So uh, let, let's talk a little bit about your projects. Let's start with you, Benedict. Uh, tell folks about... You, your game astounds me because it's one that the minute you look at it, you're not quite sure what's going oh, on, yeah. and so you need someone to give you that that pitch. So it's not just me. Okay, good. Yeah. 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 yeah, so Tumble Seed is what we call Rolly Roguelike. It's a game about rolling a seed from the bottom of a mountain to the top of a mountain. Yes. And so we've got this procedurally generated world, and we've got over 30 different seed powers, and you use these powers as you plant yourself as the seed and kind of battle your way through different creatures, avoid holes, uh, you know, encounter obstacles, try to basically get uh, some crystal economy going. And so it's basically uh, a game where you're kind of, yeah, it's a roguelike game where the main mechanic is balancing a seed on a vine. Nice, nice. And uh, uh, Chloe Rad from our team uh, got to play it at the Nindy Showcase, and she was absolutely in love. She's just like, I just love how there's this sort of intuition that is happening, and and uh, I definitely want to get into that conversation with you, talking about how you're taking advantage of HC Rumble and sort yeah. of the Switch features. Totally. All right, so Bethany, I didn't do you and uh, your team enough justice. Uh, team 17 is a little too vague, and you've got some really hot properties actually right now for some independent games. Why don't you talk about them for folks? Yeah, so there's loads of different kind of games that we're bringing to the Switch. Okay. Um, with our developers from our games label. Yep, yep. Um, so we've got Overcooked coming from Ghost Town Games. The game is so good. First and foremost, destroys so families. <laughs> destroys families. Yeah, we've had a lot of kind of couples coming up during GDC like, oh no. <laughs> like, I lot play of with my, a lot of arguments. I play with my kids and they want to kill each other after like a round of cooking together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, thank yeah. you. It does that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have Ukulele coming by Platonic Games. Okay. And the Escapist 2, which we're doing in conjunction with our Moldy 2 studios. So a lot okay. of games coming. 
Okay. So some, some, I mean, you, you just rattled them off, but ukulele, of course, is the spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie, right? Uh, There's a, a pretty prominent team working on that. Yeah. And Escapist is this really cool kind of top-down prison escape mm-hmm. type, type game. Um, do you, I mean, how do you, like, when you look at ukulele, like, how... You know, how do you feel about like this franchise coming back? Did you play banjo kazooie back in the yeah, days? Yeah, yeah, it looks beautiful. Like a lot of the people on the team as well, like big banjo fans. So everyone's yep. just like loving having it in the studio. Like we've been working on it together for a while with Playtonic, and when we first started getting builds in, people like cooing around the screen like they'd seen a baby for the first time. It's it's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful looking game. So we're really excited to be working with them. To this day, I mean, editors in the office use banjo kazooie sounds to communicate with each other. So. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! No, no, that's not true. The yeah. GM of the company who is seated right there is and the one Trump's. who goes around. <laughs> and yeah, that, that's what happens. Uh, no, there there are a lot of banjo references in this building. Yeah, um, that's, that that's one of our old time yes. favorites, and banjo to you, of course, too. And uh, it looks like that game continues the uh, the kind of the silliness of that of the old rare games, huh? Yeah, it's got a lot of kind of like old references in, but like a lot of kind of new fresh things in there as well. So hopefully, good. It's really awesome. So then, uh, I'd I'd like to ask you both talk about sort of the relationship with Nintendo. Like, who got in contact with who? Just just the vague details, since you probably can't say too much. Um, But you know, just sort of what were your goals, and and how did this sort of all come to be? Sure, I can start. Uh, Yeah, we. So Tumble Seed is a very weird game in that uh, it's not like a lot of things. And the control scheme is very weird, and it looks very different from a lot of games, especially a lot of roguelikes. Uh, and so our goal is, or a large goal of ours, is kind of to make a colorful game that's challenging. And so when working on the game, you know, you, you kind of think, like, what audience exists that appreciates kind of the thing that you're going for? Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. colorful, challenging games is something that Nintendo's been the standard bearer of forever, mm-hmm. and is kind of like you know, they're the only ones who have really been kind of continuing to do that through time. Whereas, you know, nowadays it's kind of like if a game is challenging, it's usually like kind of bloody, yeah, there's yeah. some like swords swinging around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we just thought, you know, we'd love to work with Nintendo and to have it on Nintendo platforms because we feel like that's a really good match in terms of, you know, what Nintendo games have been like traditionally and mm-hmm. sort of that blend of things. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we just reached out to them. And uh, this was before the Switch was kind of as... Uh, known as much of a known quantity as it is mm-hmm. now back when it was the nx and people details were very sparse but yeah we kind of reached out and we're like hey we want to be on the wii u mm-hmm. uh and then kind of as we kept talking it kind of was like oh well let's see like you know when are you guys coming out uh and we were like hope you know spring 2017 and they were like okay and <laughs> then the conversation just kind of developed from there okay. in terms of they also kind of saw that match in terms of aesthetics and mm. challenge and Sort of how that kind of feels very at home with Nintendo. And the, con- the control scheme. Can you talk a little bit about? Yeah, that? like totally. how does that work? And then also the rumble. Uh, you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the control scheme. It's a dual stick game. Uh, a lot of people think it's initially kind of like a balance game where you're kind of like tilting back. It and looks forth. like a tilt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's dual stick. Uh, we okay. av- we experimented with a lot of controls, but in the end, mm-hmm. the dual stick was kind of the thing that gave us the most precision mm-hmm. uh, in term and just felt the best and also kind of just worked best with what you're doing in the game. It's not a casual game, right? I mean, you no. Describe that. It yeah. looks deceptively. It looks deceptively uh, benign. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden people kind of get it's like not. run into a wall and they're yeah. like, whoa, okay, yeah, exactly. like I see where this yeah, is going. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a dual stick game. You're kind of controlling either side of this vine. So the left analog stick up and down, right analog stick up and down. That kind of basically controls the angle of this vine. Okay. And then there's the seed, the tumble seed, and he rolls kind of back and forth on it. Oh, and uh, so what we do with the rumble, and this is something that we're also super excited about, is the Joy-Cons rumble based on... Uh, which side you're on mm-hmm. and kind of the direction that you're rolling, mm-hmm. the speed that you're rolling, yeah. and also what type of seed you are. So like I said, there's over 30 different seed powers in the mm-hmm. game, and that's kind of where a lot of the strategy and a lot of the kind of like, oh, okay, here's the situation, here's this type of enemy and this type of enemy, here's the layout of the holes, what seed powers kind of I let me handle the situation the best. And part of that is that the seed powers look different, and so they have different shapes. So some of them are very round, and so then some of them have kind of like sharper edges, and some of them have an even different shape. Yeah. And so with those different shapes, we then also have different kind of rumble textures, and it's kind wow. of one of those things that's very hard to uh, describe, like Definitely. a, a, a yeah. rumble texture, like what does that mean? Yeah. So once people kind of get it into their hands, then you can kind of see like, oh, the, the shape kind of matches up with how it feels when it rumbles. Yeah. And so we have this, it feels 
uh, we kind of describe it as like a synesthetic like extra sense when playing a game, and it really really makes it come together because you know video games are usually like all right you've got sound you've got visuals yeah. you've got uh, you know those kind of two things and then the controls kind of all binding it together and those things all work together to kind of let your brain kind of connect to the game mm-hmm. and to the systems sure, of the sure. game and kind of feel like you're closer to it and that's when games are at their best is when you're kind of like all these things are working in concert to kind of make you feel like part of the system absolutely and so the HD Rumble really adds to that where we're at, it's kind of adding an extra sense of touch and you kind of get this sixth sense of yeah. or whatever sense it is in terms of the number of things happening yeah. but uh, you kind of get this extra sense of like oh where's the seed on the vine and you can actually like look up the mountain a bit and kind of like sense in your hands where the seed is and kind of yeah. see how fast it's going and also kind of remember which seed you, power you're using currently because of all the different things that the HD Rumble can do. So I assume the tools are pretty good from Nintendo and like enable to uh, that let you express those different shapes because i mean traditional rumble is very dumb right like it's on or off and there may be little nuances right they get stronger like yep. if you know the, the you know the xbox controller for example it yep. makes it feel like you're stepping on the brake but it's very it's very linear yeah but in this thing like it feels like it's a it's a cube or mm. something right yeah like, people uh, describe it as all different kinds of things like yeah. if there's like balls inside it or if there's a jelly inside yeah. it or yeah. sometimes even the hd rumble feels like there's just a weight to it it's almost as if like something yep. is getting heavier yeah. or something is getting lighter mm. um so i I don't think I can speak about the specifics about how it works, and I'm also not the developer who implemented right. most of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a large, there's very fine-grained control over kind of what you want to communicate through the rumble, and that's what lets developers really express all these different things and really kind of get that that extra connection to the player and the experience through the rumble. That's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, and it's like you know, unlike uh, one to switch where you hold one controller, this is now you have like the two ends of the system yeah. when you're in handheld mode. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, no, and it's it sounds uh, it's something that uh, so when we went to the Nitty Showcase, uh, Chloe was the one who took on the game, and so like, all right, I want to check that out, and she came back raving about. It. She was like, "That's so cool!" Just the feel of like she said, it added this extra sense perception that she didn't mm-hmm. have, and so it was it was something else. That's awesome. Uh, so then, uh, Bethany, talk a little bit about how your relationship with Nintendo started and bringing uh, you know Team Seventeen published titles to the switch yeah so we've been talking to them for a while and it's just kind of great how kind of like extending that out to to indies and being part of the you know the indie presentation and stuff so i mean especially ukulele with kind of like heritage of the developers it's going to be really great to bring that to the nintendo audience Mm -hmm. um and then with overcooked you know it's such a kind of simple kind of pick up and play game and there's you know there's very few buttons in the game actually need to to use it's gonna be really cool to bring that um kind of couch co-op to to nintendo as well um so yeah it's gonna be good yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I um, mean, and, and was that something that uh, uh, when those conversations started, like those were the games that you guys offered, or was that something Nintendo sort of said, like, "Hey, no, we we've heard a lot about these. This is this. These are the. the I mean, all three. Uh, these are the ones that we're after." Or that I we think want. they kind of just really kind of fit with the platform. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the Escapist as well. It kind of like has um, a really kind of wide audience of people who play it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to appeal to that kind of nature and it's going to be great for people to kind of be able to take it on the go with them as well so Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. it's interesting i mean it's not your it, there aren't your three biggest franchises right like you guys are very known for another <laughs> game that drives people crazy right <laughs> with little little guys shooting yep. each other you know obviously the worms franchise and all that yeah, yeah, um, yeah no it's an interesting selection um is there is there more coming from from you guys for this platform anything you can talk about who knows at the moment it's just those three yeah. that we're kind of focusing on right now so yeah. but yeah. definitely definitely love to bring more to the platform yeah, and what has your uh, Switch experience been like? Like, have you sort of, um, like, your impressions and, and just sort of the, the feel of, like, you you know, having access to the device and really learning what it is? I'm assuming before we did, like, just if you can share a little of that. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's been really, like, we're still kind of working really closely with Nintendo to bring bring the games to the Switch. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're looking at doing the, the HD rumble for Overcooked, so when you're kind of, like, chopping up the, the tomatoes, stuff, you kind of feel it, and then as yeah, you're taking yeah. the soup around, you kind of, like, feel it sloshing around oh, in the pan awesome. and stuff, yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for really folks, excited. Maybe for folks who haven't played it, I mean, Overcooked is, a, is really... It's four-player cooperative, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also not really. I mean, you you get into fights, but but like your success depends on your ability to coordinate, right? Yeah. In these different roles, like can you? So do you play? Um, you all play on one system, or do you? Can you play a remote? Like, can you do online, for example? In this. In uh, the so we're still quite early days. We're still kind of figuring out how the multiplayer yep. is going to work. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be really kind of cool to do that, and then simple to kind of pick up on the controller as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a good, uh, like, you know, f- with tabletop mode, I can imagine just taking the system with you. You always have to yeah, control yeah. it. Yeah, so that's what I'm really You can get going about, right actually. away. Yeah. yeah, just the idea of like dropping, all right, pair, let's do this. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> like having the ability to like sync an extra Joy-Con to it. So, you know, you'll get up to those four players and then go from there. Yeah, when we were actually at the Nindy Showcase, as we were kind of setting up, um, we hadn't actually felt any HD rumble that we hadn't ourselves hadn't made. So we actually had no idea like what the kind of, you know, the Nintendo-produced HD Rumble felt like. And uh, Damon was like, oh, yeah, like, uh, come up to my hotel room and, like, I can show you one, two, switch. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then uh, five minutes later, he walks in the room and he, like, takes out his switch and he just plops it down on the table and takes off the Joy-Cons. I'm like, oh, yeah, we don't have to go to a hotel room. Like, the console (laughs) comes right with you. And it was, like, this really weird... I always forget that it so fully embodies both, kind of, like, the sitting on a couch and like going to a hotel room to check something out but also then you know just taking it with you and like putting it on a table and just taking out the joy cons wherever you are and it, it, those kind of moments keep happening for me in terms of like you know i'm working on the game mm-hmm. and i'm just sitting at my computer all day like coding away yeah. and then it's like time to test and then i'm like sitting there i'm like at my chair i'm like my back hurts uh-huh. and i'm like oh wait why am i sitting here and then i like take it off and like i go and sit on the couch it's like oh man like it's so it's such a weird thing that it I I kind of described it almost as like but when people first got like phones like when people first got like their first smartphone yeah. it was kind of like a why do I want a phone all the time like why do I want mm-hmm. this big thing why do I want to pay this big data plan like yeah. what could I possibly want with that yeah. but then like as it slowly kind of works its way into your life you start kind of realizing like oh this is actually useful a lot of the time and you start doing more and more with it and that's kind of how it's been for us with the switch is like you know you start off and you kind of just have it plugged in at your desk and hooked up to a monitor but then as you kind of go with it you start realizing more and more like oh no like i can take this with me and i can do this and there's actually a lot of times when that's absolutely something i want to do with kind of a you know like a console style experience game yeah that yeah. versatility factor i mean that's we love that too we're nerds so when there's a new star wars movie opening we'll sit in line for yeah. it right yeah. and like just the thought that now you can bring a device that you can easily play with four people yeah. you know in the past like with we we've obviously done that with 3ds but everybody needed the same game yeah. and it, I, th- I think that changes things around a, yeah. a bunch i think it's especially really just having the multiplayer like available at all times and, and what that does and i mean nothing mm-hmm. uh kind of matches up to the first time you take like uh like a big game like zelda out of that cradle and you're like all right i'm taking it with me <laughs> and i'm leaving the house <laughs> and i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna go and that, that that was me uh for a bit uh did you just go <laughs> yeah yeah some yeah. maybe maybe <laughs> maybe um no totally totally uh and and it's just it's exciting to see especially uh, the the content that you guys are bringing because they're just there there there's a lot of variety to it there's a lot of color to it there's a lot of co-op to it there's a lot of like it's just it's just really fun are you are you uh just uh, out of curiosity benedict are you exploring any new modes because of the technology or are you focusing right now on just sort of um you know keeping the same experience totally we're definitely it's definitely kind of opened our eyes to that being a possibility, and so we're definitely thinking about it. We mm-hmm. Right now we're just focused on finishing the game, so that's kind of the only thing that we're doing is just focusing on finishing. But we have all these ideas now, and that's kind of something else that I've noticed having a Switch dev kit and like mm-hmm. working with it is like you just start getting these ideas of like there are all these things that work with this system that mm-hmm. you know weren't really possible before or are just things that you can do that you couldn't do with any other system. Um, so yeah, we're thinking about it, but right now we're just finishing the game. It's a Swiss Army knife, right? Like you, you hold the controller and you see all the buttons and what you can do, and then you go, "Wait, what do you use the IR camera for?" Right? <laughs> right, like, right. like, all right, what could we do with that? And I, I'm really curious to see, especially what the indie scene is going to do with with some of those features. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. NFC is not like you know, as an indie, you can't make your own uh, amiibo or anything easily. Well, yeah. shovel knight. I mean, it can one. happen. Yeah. It can happen. But, but yeah. like, certainly like HD Rumble uh, or, or HD Rumble. Uh, and the <laughs> IR camera um, are, are going to, I think, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what, what you, people come up with, I think. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, let the folks know at home, uh, when are you shipping and, or where are you aiming to ship uh, if you haven't announced the launch date? Sure. So Tumbleseed will hopefully be coming out sometime this spring. Uh, we're getting really close. We're kind of pushing that final push. Uh, yeah. But yeah, spring is what we're saying. Um, yeah. Okay, so you know soon. All right. And Bethany? Yeah, and for all of them, we're still kind of working really closely to, to bringing them. So, announced uh, release date still to come, but this year. Okay, but 2017? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. Can't wait. Really excited. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll have some new developers stick around. Here we go. 
Welcome back to MVC. And joining us for this segment, we have Vertex Pop. We have uh, Mo in the house. Hey. We also have uh, KM, and I'm struggling with your first name, so remind me. That's perfect. Cole Magnus. But Cole Magnus. You have a very so cool good. first name, by the way. You need like a cool giant battle axe. First, I was just saying first, first name. Mo, it's like, I don't really like my name. It's too complicated. No, no. What? No, it's yeah. fantastic. Well, you haven't got my surname yet, so. Yeah. <laughs> What's right. that? Cho and Son. Yeah, that's the one I didn't go. I was like, I'm just going to let him take it from there. I didn't want to make a mistake. And we also have Gordon uh, from Raw Fury. Thank you so much for coming. And we have Pear here. Uh, so, and we're talking to you guys about uh, the projects you're working on uh, and, and sort of, you know, tell the folks at home. Give them the elevator pitch. Uh, we have first uh, Graceful Explosion Machine. Yep, that's yeah, it. Yeah, let's lead off with that. So Graceful Explosion Machine is a side-scrolling shooter. Um, you are equipped with a quad weapon array, which is basically four weapons which you can, which you can use all the time, like anytime, yeah. and each one is just on a face button. So um, a lot of, lot of aliens to shoot, lots of weapons. Each weapon is like woefully overpowered <laughs> and like tons of fun to use. Yeah. And it's really about like it's a shooter and you're, you know, blasting a lot of stuff yeah. but you're also thinking about what weapon to use in the right situation like either tactical or against which which enemy or whatever is that the graceful factor but yeah and like yeah really the graceful factor is like swapping between the weapons and just using them like chaining them up kind of so like kind of like a fighting game like where you're like trying to chain up your attacks one one after the other yeah. It's very graceful, yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean that art style. I mean, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. it does not look like else. most shooters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, we like pretty colors. I like pretty colors. The only direction I gave my artist was like, it has to be colorful. It needs, it needs to look super pretty. Mm -hmm. um, it helps when you're making an action game, especially like when there's a lot of stuff going on, to have like clarity in the art. So the vector art really makes like. It's very easy to parse what's going on on screen. So if there are dozens of enemies and explosions and your UI is like, you know, going off, like beeping and stuff, you still know what's happening. Um, yeah. And so that was important. Also, I think that if your game looks pretty and you don't do well, like as a player, like when you die, you, you still don't feel bummed out because like there are so many pretty colors. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a consolation prize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Colors, that's it's it. When you win, you feel good. When you don't, it's like, oh, pretty colors. That wasn't so bad. I love that yeah. enemy. Yeah. I'm going to see it again. Yeah, we have a we have a really cute skull when you die. Actually, oh, there you, go. you you'll awesome. love it. Yeah, very nice, very nice, very nice. So then, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Goner and Dundara. And I believe you guys had a very good uh, uh, night the other night at the uh, game developers. Uh, yeah, yeah it was yeah, talk good. a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, now it's uh, IDF uh, IDF winning Goner. You know, it's pretty cool to have. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it's very very good. Um, we had a. Pretty much a freak out in two, three different locations around San Francisco uh, when this happened. We were streaming it at the garage where we were showing off our games. And then some of us were at the dinner with some pretty serious people. And we just mm. started screaming everywhere. And uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> Bra fury. Yes. Joy. Raw joy. No, but it was amazing. And seeing uh, Ditto and Martin up there on stage, Joy couldn't make it. But it's uh, it's an incredible game. And we're so proud to just be here and represent it. Uh, so for folks who may not know a lot about it, give them the elevator pitch. Tell them about... Uh well, Goner, uh, it's uh, basically a procedurally generated platformer uh, where you play the, uh, the little bit strange hero, Ick, which is out to help his friend Sally, which is the uh, beached uh, land whale, or whatever you want to call it, uh, which is going through a tough time. So he's out trying to help her, um, and along the way, oh, there's another character coming in, which is Death. Okay. And I uh, can't say much more because then I'll spoil the little yeah, no story in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He saw him as like a father figure type character when uh, Ditto was developing it. And so he kind of just, yeah, made these kind of cute, quirky characters and. Uh, and but yeah, put it together and it's like amazing art style, very similar with the idea. Yeah. A lot about colors and, and visual like style, but mm -hmm. simplicity at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's a. There's so many interesting and cool things about that game. It's like when you watch it, it's cuteness as well. It's like yeah. when you die and kill enemies, they explode into little pups of skull smoke and things to, to that degree. Uh, and I, yeah, Ditto has this, this real knack for colors and color combinations, and, and it's just like yeah, it's visually just mesmerizing when you're when you're playing it. And then it won for audio, so then to complement that visual style is this incredible uh, track of you know music. And then they've done a lot of things with sound. 
effects and things change as you combo up and you're killing enemies so they've done a lot of like hidden techniques that you don't really notice when you're playing mm-hmm. but you know there's a lot went into how the sound is you know changes and manipulated by the, the environment and things you're doing while you're playing okay. so it's small things like moving around in the in the level it's actually generated around you so you don't see the entire level you see the area that's around you so you when you're walking on the floor they actually hear the little when the the pieces of the floor or the walls etc come together it's it's super nice and then a little bit on Dandara. Yeah, that's a, a personal favorite of mine. So we are working with uh, two developers out of Brazil, okay. mm. uh, and they're incredibly talented. And so they they had this inspiration from this uh, this kind of person who was a real person who existed. Uh, her name was Dandara, and she it was in the 1600s. And uh, so she there's like a folklore that's built up around her, and nobody really knows what's true <laughs> because there's not a lot of documentation. So it's been passed down by word of mouth. For from generation to generation about this kind of a, this iconic hero uh, person who kind of was pushing against uh, slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they kind of took that mythos of that and then uh, kind of came up with this kind of, you know, they didn't want to do something super serious because then you, you kind of go down that path where it's a little scary. It's like, you know, people are going to start like, you know, judging it and looking at it in this way. But they wanted to just do something fun and just took a lot of inspiration from uh, the real uh, Dandera and put her in this kind of mythical world where it's kind of bending gravity. So they did this really interesting thing where you leap around and it's this uh, Metroidvania style game. So these huge levels, you're finding new weapons, power-ups, you're fighting these kind of, uh, you know, these otherworldly creatures and, and trying to explore and, and find these things and you kind of have this loose agenda and like in most games like this like in Metroidvania it's like oh you got to kill the queen right mm-hmm. and so it, it kind of draws a lot of inspiration from that kind of storytelling it's like you know you're motivated because you're curious mm-hmm. uh, kind of aspect to it and I, just, I am a huge fan of Metroidvania so mm-hmm. like Castlevania Symphony and Night I played it through to like 200 it was at 201.4% oh, I didn't wow. get <laughs> I didn't get the 201.6% because I couldn't get the sword familiar to go out far enough in this one tower not to not to nerd out <laughs> on this. Matters, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that it matters. Absolutely. Matters. Yeah, point two percent. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, but it, so it really when I started playing the prototype they sent it really reminded me of this. And there's something really really unique, and I'll wrap it up. <laughs> but it's uh, the I, I just huge fan of this game. Uh, you can play it with a controller, a mouse and keyboard, or touch. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. seamless. Oh, wow. So the, the really unique thing about playing this game on the Switch is it's really the only uh, device where you can kind of... Sw- I hate to say, switch (laughs) between (laughs) between the different input methods, right? You could just take it out without attaching Joy-Cons and play it without any any change really in the experience, the the input method. So this also gives people a chance to play it however it feels most comfortable to them. And so when... Uh, they had always had this idea of, of touch, right? But they thought that it would be limited to a specific device, like mobile, right? Yeah. And then the controller would be limited to, you know, console. But now it's like, you know, when they introduced this, we didn't know all the details before they, you know, announced it in November. But it's like when we saw that, we're like, okay, uh, how do how good does this touch, right? And then they don't say anything about the touch. And then the first time we, when they were onboarding us as partners, mm-hmm. and they, you know, we had to in the in Europe, you had to go to like their office in Frankfurt and sit down and go through like all this documentation. And then they had engineers explaining yep. things to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, does it have ten point inputs? And the, the engineer looks at me like ten point inputs. So I was like, you know, like a tablets and and, and the touch mm-hmm. interface because I really wanted to know desperately. Yeah. What do you say? And he st- he didn't know the uh, answer. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. it, was, it was so well guarded yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. 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 And then when we got the kid, that was the first thing I did when we got Dandara running on it. I was like, awesome. oh, this feels so amazing. It's really cool. I mean, you, you kind of just hinted at the fact that it plays with gravity, but I mean, in reality, it's complete madness with gravity. Yes. I mean, you're running yeah. on walls and on the ceiling, yeah. and you, you know, I got a little Castlevania vibe when I see rotating like clockwork kind of spheres, yes. but <laughs> but the character like walks around yeah. it like more Mario Galaxy. Galaxy style, yeah, it's yeah, mayhem. yeah. It's 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 ah, it's it's really you have to play it right, mm-hmm. and it, it's like and and feel it, and the music is just incredible, and just the the you know they have the artist is just fantastic, and it's the things that and it, it, the beautiful story behind it as well is like 
it's just developers from everywhere. Now, with where things have gone in, in uh, game development, it's not so uh, specific to you know a specific country or a specific region or you know those who have the money to license these super expensive tools. It's yeah. like now it's accessible to such as broad range of people, and it's so exciting yeah. because you get to see games that come with people with a slight different perspective from you know from their culture you know them growing up and them mm-hmm. taking inspiration yeah. from those things yeah. so it's beautiful i love it pretty awesome yeah, and you kind of i mean you probably know a little bit about expensive tools you worked on some bigger games before that too right that was kind of uh, big it was a little big yeah. well we used to work together on battlefield so this is a completely different ball game now. yeah well no no yeah there's a lot of things that Spill over, but yeah, <laughs> no, but they, it's making games. It's a it's a craft. It's a skill, right? But mm-hmm. it, the the teams are smaller, the budgets are smaller, etc. But if you still look at it, it's, it's quite similar in many ways. Um, when you have a bigger team, there's a lot of other things that are needed just by managing a big team, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's really cool to work and see with how a small team that is constrained by budget, team mm-hmm. size, whatever. How innovation really can thrive inside of that environment. Um, it does that in the big games as well, even though it might be challenging regarding sequels, etc. There's a tons of innovation in big AAA games as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so wide that sometimes you can't even see it. You can't see the tree for the forest or whatever you say in English. Um, yeah. But with the with the smaller games, usually there's one thing that they focus on, and that is laser sharp, and it really shines through, like the movement in Dandara, yeah. for example. Yeah. That's very cool. And with your game, I mean, uh, talk about adapting it to Switch. Like, how you know, is there, is there, like, how do you feel about it being a console game and a handheld game at the same time? And yeah, so it worked out really nicely. Yeah. Um, because the way I always thought about uh, Gem, Grace Flux Explosion yeah. Machine, yeah. is like it's the kind of game where you can uh, pick it up and kind of play it for a couple of minutes. Like every level is like three to five minutes, right? There are a lot of levels. There's lots of replay value, that kind of thing. But you can really just, like, pick it up, play, get through a level, and then that's it. You can put it down, right? There's a lot, like, there's a lot of room for that. But then also, if you want to, like, really sit down, like, zone out and, like, get a high score or whatever, there's room to do that as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so we we were developing Gem, obviously, before the Switch was announced or before we knew what it was. But I always thought about it as this kind of game that worked well on the big screen, mm-hmm. especially with the visuals and stuff, right? Like, it yeah. looks really good on the big screen, but it also works really well on the go, just, like, as a pick-up-and-play kind of game, right? Yeah. And so when we learned what the Switch was in, I, I think it was, yeah, October or November or whenever, I was like, oh, man, okay, this is perfect. Okay, we have mm-hmm. to be on the system because it worked so well. So that was a very... You know, happy coincidence that mm-hmm. it worked out as well as it did. But yeah, I, I think it works really well in yeah in both modes, like in handheld mode as well as in TV mode. You guys play with a rumble at all with the HD rumble stuff? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what I was trying to do before before we got the switch was kind of like because it's a horizontally scrolling game, like yeah. it's primarily on the X axis, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, when stuff happens on the left side of you, I would make like the left motor rumble. Mm-hmm. It would happen on the right, right, yeah. right motor would rumble. Nice. So if you're killing aliens on the right side, this side would shake, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's using a more typical rumble system. This is kind of like nerdy and technical, but like, oh, all right. So <laughs> the way that rumble normally works is that there are two counterbalanced motors, which means one is heavier and one is lighter, and then they rotate at different speeds, and that mm-hmm. creates a rumbling effect. The problem is the heavier motor spins slower than the faster mo- than the smaller motor does. Right, that one goes faster. So if you want to say rumble the left side, rumble the left side by this much, or the right side by this much, it's actually different. You have to like get, you have to like tweak the values so that mm. they feel about the same. But because they're not the same motor, they're not going to feel the same. Oh. That's cool. So it was hard to get the effect that I wanted on a typical, like, rumble, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then with the Switch, actually, you know what you were talking about? Like, the touch? Yeah. I did the exact same thing with rumble. <laughs> the guy was like, he was like, it's a linear action. I'm like, oh, I know what that is. That's exactly what I want. So it was like the same thing. I, like, freaked out about it and stuff. Nice. But, like... It's the little things. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, like, that kind of, like, uh, rumble means that you get, like, the same feel on both mm-hmm. sides of the controller, and you have, like, a lot more, like accurate control over it. So when something happens, like when an explosion happens or when you use your weapons, you feel it immediately. Yes. Or like um, 
we have like a sniper weapon, like it's a beam that goes across the screen, that kind of thing. And it has like a hum, so like the sound is like, and like you can actually feel that as well Mm -hmm. in the controller. Mm -hmm. Whereas with a more typical rumble system, that level of detail would just, you wouldn't feel it at all. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That, that texture is very, very fascinating. And for yeah. folks listening, it's like, I mean, believe like this thing. Uh, just, just messing around once we switch, we got a preview. But then now seeing, you know, more developers sort of tackle it and apply sort of their their uh, their ideas to it, it'll be really fascinating to yeah. to just sort of check that out. I'm curious, uh, how difficult was it to get your game up and running on Switch? Like, was that something that you had to do a lot of modification, or and, and this applies to everyone on this panel? Like, what was was it was it a challenge uh, to to sort of get your game up and running. We yeah. we actually had an argument out here in the green room before this because yeah. we we're working with a partner that helps uh, Ditto and the guys to actually port the game over. Yeah. Um, they're super talented guys, uh, a company called CodeSync. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was saying, oh, they took them a week to get it up and running. And actually, no, it was a day. It was one day. It was one day to get it, you know, from a unit to build and then get it up and running mm-hmm. and compile it and get something that yeah. runs. So it's I, re- it was really smooth. Right. We're kind of spoiled when. When you're building in Unity, yeah, uh, I think yeah. Mo, you have a like a, a more, I don't know, an in depth experience because you have your own engine that yeah. you created. So yeah, so yeah, we we use a proprietary engine, like my own homebrewed engine, kind of, and so it was longer than a day, right? Yeah. It was longer than a week. It was a couple of weeks, which was in line with what I've experienced on other consoles. Okay. I thought it was like super smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The hardware is really nice. I, this is uh, the stuff that nobody cares about, but like the documentation is really good. So like <laughs> you can you can look up their manuals. And manuals. All, yeah, 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 yeah. Like this is the exciting life of a developer. Life of a rock star. Uh, no, yeah, it was good. I we didn't have a lot of trouble with it. Um, I think the kind of thing that's more challenging or more interesting is kind of like how do we use the hardware in a more interesting way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that right now you're seeing games that were announced, like, before the Switch, before we knew the Switch was, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I think every game here, that's the case, right? But then I think moving forward, once, once more people get their hands on the Switch and once they understand, like, what's so unique about it, people are going to come up with more interesting ideas that are, like, Switch-specific, mm-hmm. which is also... Like, I think our games are really cool and stuff, but I'm, like, excited to see what happens next as well. Mm. So, Yeah, whenever we, I mean, whenever we get hardware that's different, we're yeah. going gonna to see some pretty unique stuff, right? Like, I mean, we look back now at, at Nintendo's weird toy experiments, whether it was with Rumble on the Game Boy or with, yeah. uh, you know, just kind of like the feedback or, like, the, the Wii Sports stuff or, yeah. uh, or even Wii Fit, right? Like the Wii Fit board wasn't used for for a lot because I think the the people who bought it didn't buy it for traditional games, but mm-hmm. just like that hardware opening up all these possibilities. Like somebody, I mean, there was snowboarding at yeah, the very beginning, snowboarding, and I think someone <laughs> even did mountain climbing well, using the the Wii Fit. I, I swear, I think that's a thing. I yeah. feel like I wouldn't forget. That's that. right. And then Activision <laughs> went all crazy and yeah. put a lot of technology in a yeah. skateboard, and like then well, then it was dead. Yeah, yeah. nobody touched that. Yeah, anymore. we even heard about um, a canceled uh, sort of Rogue Squadron trilogy for Wii that was supposed right. to use it um, for like uh, speeder bikes apparently mm. I was just like, yeah he had like every control scheme under the sun uh, uh, in that thing is that something that, that's sort of challenging with uh, a console that is so modular like just sort of approaching like well how do we want people to play this well, I think it's like they did a, a smart thing which is you know it kind of falls in line with what we're seeing but it also introduces some new elements and I think the biggest compelling thing I think for most gamers who are buying it, not from like the development side, is that the ease of taking your game with you. You can be playing on the TV and you can pick it up and take it with you when you're commuting on the bus to work or, uh, you know, those different environments. But like, you know, but then the HD rumble is super interesting. So it's like doing a little bit more, just a little bit more, just pushing things in in a more like just a small amount instead of doing it so drastic that you can't, you'd have to do a brand new game, right? Mm-hmm. And, and really kind of start from the ground up. And that becomes more difficult, especially for smaller uh, indie uh, companies, right? It's like having this thing that's, you know, being able to develop on Unity, having it being on the, the latest version of Unity, and being able to easily get your game from, you know, from development to the hardware is, I think, and maybe that's the biggest improvement, right? And, and it's like, but then when you, when you make those things easier, 
then exploring those little nuanced yeah. differences mm-hmm. become more manageable, mm-hmm. right? And you can take that time to be more yeah, doing creative thinking. And I think like, you know, like you were saying, it's like as time progresses, it's like everything, right? <laughs> then you're going to see more and more interesting things. You're going to see stuff with the IR sensor in mm-hmm. the bottom yeah. and, you know, using that. I, I don't know if it, you guys remember, but the old Metal Gear Solid, remember when you had to plug in controller two? Yeah. Had, oh, oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. You know, they had those crazy <laughs> things, right? I want to see that kind of come back. We yeah. kind of lost yeah. that. Yeah. So I would like to see that being the creative element that comes out of these cool little things that they put in there that aren't necessary, but they could be really interesting used by some of these really smart and creative, talented developers. And there's so many of us now that I think you're going to, we're going to see something that there's not even possible to kind of preconceive here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And I I think another like kind of subtle thing that matters a lot is that, you know, you were talking about like the, the balance board or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's important to note that like all the stuff in the switch comes with the switch, right? Mm-hmm. So you have like this multitude of input devices, but they all come with the switch. From a developer perspective, I wouldn't we or we wouldn't want to develop for something that's like the balance board if the attach rate is only base, yeah. 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 So over here you know that there's all this weird stuff in the switch, but everybody yeah. has the weird stuff. So you yeah, can yeah, yeah. make something weird and everybody will like mm. be able to play it. So, yeah. I mean yeah. the IR camera is a great example of something that we really I, I don't think many people have talked about it, right? It's yeah. used for it's used for a silly eating mini game yeah. to yeah. switch, but like somebody's gonna know what to do with it. And they demoed it. They said, "Hey, it can recognize shapes like this, mm-hmm. right?" And yeah. I'm just curious to see what people will do with it. I'm sure. Or am I? Some, yeah. Some yeah. crazy goofy stuff. Yeah. I'll probably yeah. like the code to enter the door is handball hand two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're there in. Go. <laughs> Let's go. Well, yeah. I wonder if the anybody have you have to play Rochambeau in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> play Rochambeau against your switch. Yeah, that, sure, could, yeah. that could be something else. Um, so then, uh, uh, final question: Just let folks know when 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 are you shipping, and when uh, can folks look forward to seeing your game? Or, Go ahead. Well, <laughs> yeah, you go ahead, Mom. Okay, yeah, so, You're first. <laughs> uh, Graceful Explosion Machine will be on the Switch in April. Okay. Okay, yeah. okay awesome. Very cool. Don't and Goner is coming uh, first to Nintendo Switch sometime this summer. Okay, wow. okay got it. And, and then Dara? Uh, also, probably late summer. Okay. okay, got it. Excellent. Thank you so Very much cool. for coming on the program. Yeah. And uh, Thanks, right man. now, uh, we've got a, uh, a Zelda trivia segment, so uh, let's toss it to Naomi. Thanks, Jose. All right, I'm out here at AT&T Park in beautiful San Francisco about to ask regular people about The Legend of Zelda, one of gaming's most iconic franchises. To us gamers, these questions are super easy, but how will an average well-to-do person fare? Let's find out. All right, which of these is Zelda? (laughs) Zelda is the princess. That is correct. You know your stuff. Very good. Who of these characters is Zelda? The green one. Uh, the princess. You are right, sir. The green one is not right. Who of these characters is Zelda? These one. Yeah, that's right. The princess. Of these characters, which one is Zelda? That one. Yes, the princess. You got that correct. I hope Good I'm not job. One of those people that like make stupid errors on this because I've seen these videos before. <laughs> okay, who is this guy? Uh oh. Um. I have no idea. I'm trying to look on your link there, see if it gets me clear. Don't look at the link. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have not got the slightest idea. I have no idea. Ah, uh, I can't remember, sorry. It's Ganondorf, but good job. Uh, Ganondorf, yes. What is this guy's name? I don't know. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I want to say Ganondorf. Oh my god, you got it. Good job. Ganondorf? Yes. He must have grown up in a different neighborhood than me. (laughs) My next question is, how many pieces are in the Triforce? Three. That's a good guess, and that is a winner. How many pieces are there in the Triforce? Uh, Three. Three. Three? Three. Three. Oh, my God. Three. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, see, try. Kind of gives it away. (laughs) I did go to college. So there you have it, folks. Regular people do know The Legend of Zelda pretty well. And they should. Zelda is awesome. All right, let's switch. And back to you, Rose. Listen.
Thanks a lot, Naomi. And it looks like a lot of folks are going to get an education on Zelda. But uh, coming up next on Nintendo Voice Chat, we have uh, here to talk about Nintendo Switch, independent uh, developers, and third-party relations is Damon Baker from Nintendo. Hello. Joining us for the segment as well is Jonathan Dornbush. Hello. And Per Schneider. Hello. So, Damon, this is a big week for you. Uh, you guys kicked off this week with uh, announcements about indie games. You had, you had an indie showcase. We did. Uh, really good presentation. Why don't you yeah. talk a little bit about what's going on with uh, Nintendo Indies and specifically your team because you're portfolio management now. That's yeah. sort of your role, a little different than uh, what I've known you to do in the past slightly. Yeah, I was yeah. doing a lot of marketing and communications for our third-party partners in the past. And in the last, uh, I guess, eight months or so, then I've been heading up a partner management team. It's mostly portfolio management, content curation, uh, and it and it covers uh, our Japanese publishers, our big AAA publishers in the West, and also our independent developers as well. So it's been giving, uh, keeping me busy. I'm very much looking forward to getting some sleep this weekend. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a long time coming, but super proud of. Uh, all of the teams that have been contributing and supporting Nintendo Switch, and it's just going to be awesome to get it into the hands of the fans this week. It's awesome. We we all watched the the live stream with your presentation here in the office together, and they were. Uh, I think everyone was just really impressed with the kind of rapid fire announcement of titles, and yeah. you know, some timed exclusives, some like Stardew Valley have, launching with multiplayer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, they, I, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with just the variety of stuff. Did you? How did you approach this? Is this? Do you do you sit down and you say, "Hey, we need a game in column A, a game in column B"? Like you try to cover genres, or is it more about going out there, meeting people, and then hearing from them what they've got that they want to offer up? It's a really good question. Um, it manifested over a lot of different iterations. I mean, luckily we have a ton of content to choose from, as yeah. you saw from that that pseudo infographic that we yeah. <laughs> circulated earlier this week. So um, there's a lot of great content that's in development. And I think what we decided to go for was um, a few different angles. One is we, we wanted to focus on titles that were coming in the near future. We knew that fans really wanted to know what they could sink their teeth into um, uh, early on in the console life cycle. As soon as this, this content comes out, like what is going to be available in the Nintendo eShop? So we wanted to focus on some of that. We also wanted to focus on some of the great content that we've been fortunate enough to procure for an exclusivity window or outright exclusively. So we've got a ton of that type of content as well, which is a little bit new for for Nintendo platforms. We haven't really aggressively gone after that. Um, And I can't say that we have aggressively gone after it this time either. It just happens to have kind of come together. And I think it's based on the excitement that these independent developers have for the system. Uh, once they get their hands on it, one, super easy for them to get their, their content over to the platform really quickly. And then two, once they could dive into it, then to be able to unlock some of the bells and whistles and, and uh, doing some of the cool functionality and why it just makes so much sense for, for their games to be on Nintendo Switch. So everything kind of like culminated um, into this really tight, you know, <laughs> segment. And um, I, I don't think that we wanted to draw it out. We, we yep. just wanted to get the content out there. Uh, some of it had already been announced, but maybe some of the features or the exclusivity hadn't been announced. So we wanted to reiterate some of those key points. Uh, some were complete first reveals. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we spent an adequate amount of time on that. So uh, it wasn't like, okay, every title is going to get a minute. It was more like, uh, what what can we focus on? And I guess the last part was um, we really wanted to showcase some of the indie publisher relationships that we've established. Mm-hmm. So uh, for us, I mean, it, it was awesome to be able to highlight, you know, Team 17 and the great portfolio they have. And Raw Fury, you know, coming off of winning awards uh, yeah. this week yeah. with Goner, um, that just happened to tie in really, really nicely yeah. with, for us. Uh, Chucklefish, who are on a tear with amazing content as well. So being able to establish these uh, relationships with indie publishers and then being able to look at it from a portfolio standpoint, that they have all this amazing content that's coming out over the next couple of years. If they're big fans of Nintendo Switch, then then it's easier to um, get all of that content over uh, eventually. Um on top of the individual relationships that we have with, with developers as well. So it does sound, though, like you're being more selective than what was going on with Wii U. I think with Wii U, uh, 
it sounded like it was a bit more open that anyone can bring a game to the platform and it would get on. Like, what has yeah. that changed? Is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, it it evolved over time. I think with Wii U, um, we were catching up in terms of middleware support as well. So it was in the Wii U generation that we first established the relationship with Unity. Um, so a few years uh, ago here at GDC, we actually unveiled that and showcased a bunch of content for Wii U that was utilizing U- the Unity engine at the time. And so um, that's when we started opening up the um, ecosystem and the dev environment to anybody and everybody. And I think the the mentality there was um, because we had been conservative in the past, let's open it up and see, you know, cast this big net and you never know where the next hit game is going to come from. Um, and where, uh, who are we to say what is a good game and what isn't a good game, <laughs> honestly. So we can... Uh, we can um, I leverage. I think Nintendo knows a little bit about that. No, don't you? <laughs> well, but maybe from the first party side, I mean, they know what they're working on and everything. But oh yeah, let me rephrase it. Who am I to judge <laughs> what's a good game? I know what kind of games that I like, but that might not be for everybody. So um, we took that strategy of opening it up. Um, the challenge with that, though, is that by opening it up and lowering that barrier of entry, then you know not only do you get really high quality content, but you get a bunch of content that was rushed or people trying to to make a buck off of a, a newer marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what we decided to do, um, at least early on for this system, is we've put so much time and effort in messaging what Nintendo Switch is all about and what's great about it. The fact that it's a console experience on the go and that we've got this multiplayer baked into the box. You can hand Joy-Con off to somebody else and have an instant two-player game. Mm -hmm. So just leveraging those two elements, um, making sure that we've got content that evangelizes that. And it it doesn't mean that we're we're saying no to games that, uh, for example, only use the touchscreen. But I think that we want to make sure that our partners understand um, what fans are expecting and manage those expectations. Because the last thing that we want is for one of our partners to spend so much time and resources in making a game, and it's not what people want. Mm-hmm. If they've purchased, you know, spent $300 on a Nintendo Switch, then they want probably want content that's going to leverage that rather right. than a port or something else. So I think um, you know eventually you'll see more of that content coming through, but it was really important for us, at least for launch window, to really focus our efforts on these unique experiences, these original experiences, uh, identifying future-looking content versus backwards-looking content, mm-hmm. um, no matter how perfect it might be for the system, yeah. and, and making sure that we honor our fans with, with um, these great experiences. Um, so that's kind of the strategy that we've yep. taken for now, and um, we're going to try and hold to it. I don't know how long I can... <laughs> Hold the door. I can hold door heads, but um, I, I, I think we're we're working together with our um, uh, other regions as well, and trying to maintain this line, um, at least for the time being, and making sure that every time people come into the eShop, they're seeing something really cool and exciting that, that I, I like, they're interested in. I like that you you snuck in a Hodor reference there because <laughs> if I was standing up next to him, I'm about half his height. <laughs> it's chairs that are evening this out. Yeah, these chairs make yeah. us all seem but, the same. Like, <laughs> but when I, when I was watching your presentation and all the reveals and the announcements, um, I was thinking... You know, it's good that you're here because back home probably your phone is ringing off the hook because a lot of indies are now seeing a handheld console with sticks and buttons. You know, yeah. something where yeah. if they're if they've traditionally developed for Steam, they now have an outlet on sure. on a handheld console and they want to be on it, right? Yeah, and then yeah. there's the great attraction that it's not a completely open platform like with the App Store where you know dozens and dozens of new games come out every day. Like going forward, like how will you pick what what games to let in? Because you guys have limited time and yeah. Yeah, maybe even limited shelf space on what you can promote on the console and make successful. Like, do you go for games that offer something new and unique on Switch, where like an indie has to work a little harder to add a unique element to it that wasn't on another platform, or is it more about kind of notability and filling a gap in the genre lineup, for example? Right. 
Don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a work in progress. Yeah. We do have a committee internally that where we are evaluating pitches and content, and we try and take that perspective not just from people on my team, but from other teams within um, our publisher and developer relations uh, department, and getting different perspectives. Whether they just work on the lot check side of things or certification, yeah. whether they work on the business side of things, it's nice to get different perspectives in terms of what people gravitate towards. So we're evaluating that. Um, we're looking for exciting experiences. And it, and again, it doesn't have to be exclusive necessarily, but at least we're looking for simultaneous releases. So if it's a multi-platform title, I think it, it's fair that we're looking for something that's going to be there alongside other platforms as well. But um, it's it's hard to determine exactly what it is we're looking for until we see it. But yeah. I guess... What's really encouraging is that at least with the initial showing from the video and from this media showcase that we did here at GDC, it seems like everybody is enjoying the content that we've identified as being a priority for us and that is going to be a good experience for um, fans of Nintendo Switch. So I think if we can keep doing what we're doing, then we're going to be off to a good start. Yeah. Well, and it, it seems varied enough, but a the point is that there is a steady stream and supply of these games without yeah. oversaturating the player. Yeah. I think what I've loved about the heydays of the best Xbox Live Arcade or mm-hmm. the PSN store, they when they weren't overbearing you with how many games week after week were coming out, it seems like that's sort of the emphasis here is to give you a certain number of games without saying, here are 30 games this week. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly right. I yeah. think... Uh, And I don't blame any developer or publisher approaching us to leverage the fact that we've got a brand new marketplace. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, uh, these these partners put so much time and energy and and resources into making a game. They want to leverage every channel that's available. Um, But if if we flood that market, then nobody is going to benefit. Um, You won't be able to find the content. Discoverability becomes really, really difficult. And um, especially as we start, we want to make sure that we set a high bar not only for the fans that are coming in to the um, the Nintendo eShop to look for content that they know there's this high quality mm-hmm. there, but also for other prospective developers to understand, okay, this is the quality that I have to hit mm-hmm. in order to be considered um, as a viable option for Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I felt like with the Wii, you know, the world of goo kicked off things yeah. where yeah. there weren't a lot of titles. And so I think a lot of people gave this game a shot and then said, oh my God, like the quality of this title is so high. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'd buy this on disc and I'd be happy with it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's obviously the kind of ecosystem you want that there's enough room for these games to breathe and to be discovered. Oh, totally. Um, but yeah, also, I also really like that you had games that were reminiscent of like kind of more classic experiences and filling a gap like there's a game that looks like an advanced wars game right right, right. Yeah. there's a game that looks a little bit more like a rayman experience and those yeah. are not the you know we don't have an advanced wars game or a rayman game at launch but right. you know the indies are filling that gap which i think is really yeah cool. yeah. yeah i feel uh really fortunate that we have those opportunities i think we're trying to give the fans what they want mm-hmm. um um Fortunately, we, we know Nintendo fans pretty well. We know that a lot of them grew up um, you know, playing Nintendo games and uh, are very nostalgic of, about those experiences. And so I think we're, we're looking to, um, uh, at least for, for the first few months, and bringing out experiences that we think that they're really going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know... I don't want to pigeonhole um, all you know pixelated games as automatically being associated with being indie, but uh, for us, it's really about the gameplay experience. And if it's fun to pick up and play, whether it looks like a Blaster Master Zero or a Shovel Knight, or whether it looks like a Snake Pass or a Ukulele, um, those are the types of experiences that I think our fans want to get their hands on, yeah. and they want to get immersed yeah. in it. And they played a generation of fans of the ukuleles of the N64, whereas you get the 8-bit for NES, and I, I think you are able to capture all generations of fans who are buying the Switch. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so, yeah. So then uh, one of the uh, areas that some folks are, are very sort of focused on and, and concerned about, though, is, is sort of the larger third parties, and, mm. and sort of that's their area where they're like, well... I, I see what's coming to the platform, but I'm I'm concerned still. I feel like it's not uh, some of them may not be original enough. Like, mm. How would you sort of 
uh, address that person, that yeah. someone who is concerned about, well, you know, where's the EA, the Ubisoft stuff? And yeah. is there more cooking that we just don't know about? Yeah, um, there's a lot more cooking. Like Otherwise, what? I would be <laughs> I would be fired. I mean, it's my job to to cook things. Um, so uh, I can't announce anything specifically here. <laughs> Um, so don't kick me out. You but write it down? No. <laughs> on your new desk? Yeah. <laughs> um, it started with a P. Nobody can see the glare anyway, so I can write whatever I, I want. <laughs> Picture it. No, go ahead, please. Um, I, I think, um, understandably, uh, our third-party publishers are being conservative. They're taking a wait-and-see approach. Um, a lot of them want to know how this system turns out. And, um, you know, we had some amazing support from our um, third-party publisher friends for Wii U and for Nintendo 3DS. Um, but we also need to uh, provide evidence that we're going to be supporting them in the long term, that we're going to be building a, a really strong install base, that we're creating an, an easy environment for them to develop in. So I don't hold it against any of them for um, taking their time um, with, in bringing this content out. But I think you'll be excited to see some of this content. And we do have uh, publisher support from partners that either we haven't worked with in a really long time or that we've never worked with before. No. So, you know, we, we have publicly announced, you know, relationships with EA and 2K, who were our friends from the past, and it's great to be working with them uh, closely again. Um, with Bethesda, we've never worked mm -hmm. with them uh, before. So um, we're really excited about some of these major experiences that are going to be coming out over the course of this year and into 2018 and 2019. There's a lot of cool stuff uh, on the way, and I think if anything from this week is if this week is anything to go by, um, I think our, our publisher friends are taking note and uh, they see that there's a lot of potential here. That's great. Yeah. 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 I imagine you know. I mean, once you get the system out into the public, I mean, certainly for indies, they discover it when the machine is out in stores, and yeah. you know, a lot of hobby programmers will get interested. But I think you'll have a similar effect too with with some of the third parties. Oh yeah. You know, mm -hmm. once they take this on the go, um, I think some light bulbs will go off. Oh yeah. You can do with it. And it's and it's not like we're just starting now. I mean, we've been working with these publishers right. for for some time. But what's been exciting, especially over the last couple of weeks, is to be able to actually take a production unit. Uh, out to visit uh, publishers mm -hmm. and developers and get it in their hands and show them um, experiences like One Two Switch, which you know we've talked about HD Rumble um, and that Joy-Con support, the motion control. It's one thing to see it, but it's a totally different experience yeah. to actually play yeah. it. And um, so then to put that in the hands of these super talented developers, and they're like, oh, this is how. The HD Rumble works. This is I can actually feel marbles moving around in these these controllers. Which uh, the ball count is witchcraft. Let's yes. be honest. Yes. Right? I mean, I was just kind of floored by it. Yeah. I still don't trust. It. I want to open it up. <laughs> I don't want to take the marbles. Like, yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 incredible. And so you any any of our um, uh, licensed developers, they can look at the white papers and read the documentation, but. It's not until they actually mm -hmm. feel, you know, what that ball count game is all about, and they're like, "Oh, this is how it's supposed to feel. Yeah. This is this is what we can do with it." So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the the opportunity to have been able to do that with the retail and production units over the last couple of weeks has really opened up a lot of eyes, and uh, and so I think uh, people will be pleasantly surprised by what's what's in store. Yeah. Trying to think of uh, there was one Wii U uh, independent title that, um, forgive me for not remembering the name entirely, but I believe it was about creating rockets that you were then trying to send. Oh yeah, to the moon. Kerbal. Oh, Kerbal Space Kerbal. Oh, Kerbal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so um, I know that was announced for Wii U. Was a yeah. statement ever made for what happened or what's going to happen with Kerbal? <laughs> there was never a statement made. <laughs> okay. So thank you for bringing it up. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I had to ask because I, I was very excited to play it, um, perhaps, and I just want to know if there's an update that you can or can't. Um, uh, I don't have an update other than uh, we have certainly been in contact uh, with mm -hmm. the developers and continue to be in contact yep. uh, with those developers. I think what what you what you may have seen or, or may have noticed is that late last year we, we had a number of titles that we had announced for Wii U, yes. um, and we had to have some 
uh, honest conversations with uh, our partners because some of them had been delayed or were scheduled to launch around the holidays for Wii U. And we very we knew very well that the reality of our prioritization was that as soon as we got into 2017, we needed to shift gears and yeah. that we really needed to put our focus towards um, this new Nintendo Switch platform. So um, we had some honest dialogue with a lot of these partners. And it's why you're seeing content like Stardew Valley, mm-hmm. where we had collaborated with them and have been in contact with, uh, with Eric and the Chucklefish team for some time. And... Um, you know, it was going to be around the November time period on Wii U last year. And, and you know, we we're like, well, maybe it, it makes more sense. Maybe you're going to have, it's going to be more beneficial for your fans to see this on Nintendo Switch at a later date. So they're tough, tough conversations to have. And we weren't twisting any arms or anything, but I think it was just being honest about the environment at that time. And so some of our partners, you know, decided, eh, let's let's look at Switch instead. Hollow Knight. That's another great example yeah. where it's an absolutely beautiful game and it, and it looked gorgeous on Wii U, but uh, an opportunity to now play it on Nintendo Switch seems like a, a, an amazing opportunity for them. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. we, we just wanted to arm our partners with what the, the information they needed in order to make those types of decisions. I think it's smart. I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously gamers want to play games as soon as possible, right? And, and someone's always going to be disappointed over a delay or a switch to a new platform. Oh, God. The, the console yeah, is called oh, Switch. Sorry, you just, oh, you just, I knew he it. was going to do it, yep. too. You just can't get around it. But, um, <laughs> it's like, I'm but like, I was if waiting. it was going to be that <laughs> easy, I would have just done that. I appreciated you, you used restraint and didn't say switch gears. You said shift yeah. gears. Yeah. I, was, I noticed that, too. I was, I was, I was ready I was for ready it, too. Well. Uh, it's something that happens yeah. in the office a lot. But like Conker's <laughs> Bad Fur Day was one of those examples, like on the N64, at the very end of the system's life uh, cycle, we get this really good game, mm-hmm. and not that many people ended up playing it, right? Yeah. And like, if um, you know, if they had delayed that and made that a launch title for the next platform, I think it would have gotten a lot more eyeballs mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot more hands on that title. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually I'm actually happy to see some of the some of the games moving, yeah. and even to see um, earlier indies that it, it's been a few years, but seeing something like Towerfall also mm-hmm. on there because Celeste is on there, and seeing Matt Thorson's work continue shows yeah. both the continued relationship, but also not being afraid to go back to what did work a few years. Oh ago. yeah, especially also. if it makes total sense it, for yeah. the system. I yep, love having so. Towerfall on the, to be able to have it on the go. Yeah. Oh, to, that's oh, going to be fantastic. That's going to be so much fun. Yeah, no, I'm very, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that that is all the time we have with you, what? but thank you so much yeah. for coming on uh, Nintendo Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, thank, thank you. Yeah, you're definitely welcome nice. on the show anytime to break any announcements, any secrets, <laughs> <laughs> or just stop by and say hello. Um, Give us that yeah. list that yeah. you can... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Grab his moleskin quick. No, um, <laughs> and thank you so much for uh, watching Nintendo Voice Chat and listening to Nintendo Voice Chat this week. Um, if you uh, enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us feedback. Email us at mvc doc, uh, at ign.com. Excuse me, misfiring. It's been a long week for all of us, <laughs> but Switch that. is almost here, and we will have a very special show next week talking all about our experiences with Nintendo Switch. Thank you so much for watching, listening, and finally, where can folks find y'all on Twitter? Uh, Pear, where can they find you? Pear IGN. Where can they find you, Jonathan? At JM Dornbush. And do you publicize your Twitter account? Because Trin sure. was in this chair and was like, I... Well, he only talks about baseball, right? Or, or, or yeah, science. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't, don't want to do follow yeah. Trinan. That's the most boring Twitter feed of all time. <laughs> Ooh. Um, although we're both we're both Oregon Duck fans, so I can't mm-hmm. talk too bad about him. But um, uh, at DW Bakes okay. is where you can find me. And same for uh, any developers or publishers looking at uh, sending us pitches. Contact me through Twitter. Great. Yeah. And there you have it. Uh, thank you for watching and listening, NBC. And we'll be back next week uh, with another great show. Awesome. Thank you.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.